up here this morning. I feel so honored. But you know what? I, I saw Pastor Russ was really trying to pull some energy out of everyone. And if you know me at all, energy is going to be a requirement this morning. So I'm going to need everyone, and I'm not kidding, to just stand up exactly where you are. Let's just stand up. I know you got all situated. You got your pen out, all that stuff. But this is important. I want you to shake the person next to you. I want you to say, are you ready? I want you to say, are you ready to have fun at church this morning? And then I want you to turn to your other neighbor and just make them feel good and tell them how great they look this morning. Can you do that too? All right. And if you need to shake it out a little bit, maybe shake it out, get, get your blood flowing, get some energy in your body and have a seat back down. Woo. Now you can get that pin back out and we are excited this morning. Woo. Are y'all ready? Some of you have huge smiles on your faces, and some of you already look terrified, and that's okay. That is okay this morning. Um, if you cannot tell, I am not Pastor Allen today. Um, for some reason, he trusted me to come up here and teach this morning, and I am so thankful for that. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Cody. Um, I have the privilege of being the Connections Pastor here at New Life Church, and how exciting of a time is it that we are in right here as a church. Um, God is doing some incredible things in our house, um, and not just here in these four walls, but also in this series. How many of you have appreciated this series um, that we are in right now? Like Pastor Russ said, um, you can catch those online on the podcasts, um, but our series that we are in currently is titled Unwrapped, and it's Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts. And so each week we're starting with the motivational gifts, which every single person has, whether they're a believer or not, God has given them one of these gifts that are listed in Romans 8. And let's take a look at that verse um, right now. It's Romans 12, 6 through 8. And it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy or perceive, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage or exhort others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. And if God has given you leadership ability or administrative ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness or compassion to others, do it gladly. And something that is so neat about this series is it's more of a teaching style rather than a preaching style. So you should have received that sheet of paper on your way in. If you've been with us, you are used to this. If not, um, basically what we're going to go through this morning, as you can see at the top, is exhorter. Surprise. Who knew? Um, that's what we're going through this morning. And so what we'll do is you will actually score yourself zero to five based on how much you relate to each of these statements. And I'm going to go through and dissect them a a little bit. And um, exhorters are usually those joyful, positive, loud people. I had to test the mic many times this morning because I'm naturally just very loud. Um, some of you might be mad and think that they didn't turn it down enough, but that's okay. Um, and so this morning, we're going to be kind of talking about what that characteristic or that gifting of exhorter looks like. And some of you who are gifted as exhorters have been waiting for this morning, the whole series, right? Like you're about to jump out of your seat with excitement because you're like, today is my day. It's finally my time. Um, some of you 
might not think that you are an exhorter because you feel like that has to look like a certain personality type. And you'll be very surprised as we go through that you actually relate a lot to a lot of these statements. Um, And then some of you are going to be running for the door as quickly as you can to get that fourth cup of coffee because you're like, this girl is too much for me today. But either way, if you are an exhorter or if you are not an exhorter this morning, we are going to have fun. Is everyone on board with that today? We're excited to be at church today. Okay, eight of us are excited, and that's okay. Those are the exhorters, the ones that cheer. They're like, yes, it's my time. So um, again, we're going to have fun this morning, but I want to pray because I can stand up here and go through these lists, um, but it means nothing if the Holy Spirit isn't present with us this morning. So will you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much um, for gifting all of your people in such unique ways. And that we have the opportunity to study your word and figure out more about ourselves so we can serve you with excellence. Lord, I just pray that in this time that I would decrease and you would increase, Father, and it would be your words and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's dive in. Number one on your sheet says, I enjoy seeing a visible response when teaching or speaking with others. How funny is it that I chose this one as number one? You see what I'm saying? Um, So exhorters are those people that naturally talk a lot, especially in the church setting. They're the ones that clap and say, amen, or yes, pastor. You know, those are the exhorters. It just comes so naturally to them. They want to be involved in the situation. Um, So they are the ones that are loud. Not only that, but exhorters also really appreciate that feedback, hint, hint. So if you hear something this morning that, you know, gets you excited, I just want to hear a little whoop, whoop. Can we practice that? Whoop, whoop. Oh, look, this side is like, oh, I'm a five. I love it. Um, So, but not only is that in public environments, you know, in church, but also it's in one-on-one conversations. So you'll notice a lot of times if you're speaking to someone that is encouraging or an exhorter, they're the ones that are constantly nodding their heads or, yeah, or I can totally relate to that. Um, So they appreciate that nonverbal feedback or sometimes even verbal feedback. So, Um, That being said, also, exhorters will go crazy if someone does not naturally do that, right? So if someone's genuinely just listening the whole time, that will frustrate them, and they'll be thinking in their head. I do this all the time. I'm talking to someone who has, like, a blue personality type, and they're just listening. They're being nice. And I'm like, are they mad? Do they know what I'm talking about? Do they think that I'm I'm crazy? Like, are they understanding? And I'm like, hey, are you upset? And they're like, no, I'm just listening to you. Because naturally, exhorters want and crave that feeling feedback. So go ahead and score yourself zero, meaning, you know what? No, you can stare at me stone cold face all day and I'm fine with it. Or number five, that yes, I need those nods. I appreciate those right on girlfriends. Um, So that is number one. Number two on our sheet is I naturally counsel others and I love to encourage them to live up to their full potential. The greatest joy in an exhorter's life is to be an instrument for someone else, right? They love to encourage people, they love to help people, and they want to help people reach their full potential most of the time in very long and descriptive details, right? It's not a, hey, you should do this. It's a, don't you worry. I have been there before, and this is what you need to do. You do this, and A, B, and C, and then when you do C, this part of C is really fun, and then when you hop over to D, this is what you do, and then you do, you go through this long, long detailed description of how to help people and how to get people to where 
where they need to go. Um, And not only do exhorters really enjoy doing this, but people are naturally drawn to encouraging personalities because we're human, right? We all love to be encouraged. We all love to feel good about ourselves. And normally exhorters are so transparent. They're usually not as guarded. Um, And so they can be open and honest saying, hey, I actually really struggle with this, creating a safe and comfortable environment for other people to open up. Um, So not only on this one do I want you to think about, hey, do I naturally counsel others? Do I enjoy encouraging other people? But I also want you to think of how many people around you and in your life are naturally drawn to you for advice or whatever else that might be. So score yourself on number two. Number three, we're going to try to move through these 10 really fast and focus on the blind spots, which I know you're really excited about. Um, So we're going to keep going to number three. And it says, I believe that the greatest personal ministry is to meet people where they are rather than judging where they should be. And this one is huge because if you're a perceiver, which we talked about the first week, that is the complete opposite, right? Perceivers are very black and white. You are either in the will of God or you are out of it and you better figure it out. That is the mindset of the perceiver. But the exhorter is a little more like, no, you know, it's all a gray area and we're just all on a journey. You know, we're just all trying to figure it out. And so their mindset is a little different than that. Um, And they, so naturally, it's not their first instinct to judge someone automatically and say, oh, well, you are absolutely doing the wrong thing. It's kind of like, okay, we're all trying to figure this out. So how can I help you be better? Um, For instance, as an example, um, let's say I have a friend named Bill, right? If anyone's name in here is Bill, I'm I'm not talking about that Bill. Um, And so let's say I have a friend named Bill that has a gambling problem, right? And I'm a perceiver. And so I'm like, oh, no, 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 Bill. Proverbs says this and that you're a fool and good luck on judgment day because not only are you robbing God of money, but you are a fool, Bill. Okay, so you better figure it out. When the exhorter would probably be like, okay, Bill, you know, how's, how's the lottery ticket buying going? And he's like, well, I only bought seven this week. And they would be like, oh my gosh, you bought 10 last week. We are making progress. Let's celebrate that, Bill. You are taking steps forward and I'm excited about it. So that is kind of more of the mindset or the heart. It's not so much as a natural instinct to correct as it is to come alongside and be like, I can relate to you and let's celebrate the small steps that you're taking. So that is number three. Number four, it is rare that I can't get along with others because of my natural joy and positive attitude. Exhorters are those people that make friends with the waitress and make friends with the cashier at Publix and just naturally start talking and making conversation with all types of people. Um, They are your cup half full people, right? So we are all excited. You know, the grass is greener on the other side. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. There is nothing to worry about, right? Um, They are the people that if you get a flat tire on the side of the road, they're like, guys, it's not raining though. You know, it could be raining, so we're lucky. Um, That is the positive attitude. So that being said, people usually enjoy being around exhorters because they are usually happy. They make people feel good. Um, And also, because of that, they usually have many casual friends and acquaintances. So they know a lot of people just because of how outgoing or outspoken they are. 
Um, and sometimes that joy is a lot to handle. Um, a lot of people really appreciate that. Other people are ready to go get that coffee I talked about earlier already, and we are only on number four. So that is okay. And so that might not be you, but go ahead and score yourself zero to five on that one. Um, rare, I can't get along with others because of my natural joy and positive attitude. Number five, I connect with God's truth through experience first, and then I validate it with scripture. Now, already some of the teachers and administrators are like, you know, tense because they're like, what does that mean? How is that right? Um, So don't worry. Um, As an example of this, a teacher, which is the way that Pastor Allen is wired, and I actually talked to him about this point. um, He said, you know, when I'm preparing a message, I look and I find a scripture, and then I have to try really hard to relate it back to some personal experiences and think of some ways that I can make it relatable to other people. When um, just a few months ago, Pastor Russ asked me to speak to our student ministry about fear, and I was like, oh, immediately I thought back to this story where um, I was scared of heights and I was afraid to go cliff jumping with my friends, and I ended up regretting it my whole life, and then God was like, okay, let's learn a lesson about this, and so I related it back to, you know, don't be fearful, and you can soar on wings like eagles, and get out of your comfort zone, and so it was easy for me then to prepare the message and support it with scripture because God taught me something through that experience. So neither one is wrong. This does not mean exhorters don't believe in the Bible or don't think that scripture is important. But usually exhorters relate so much more to testimonies and experiences. And so a personal story and a personal testimony typically means a lot more in the moment than someone quoting a Bible verse in that moment. Does that make sense? So, um, again, I, this is actually me with tithing. I, I read in the Bible, I was like, okay, I need to tithe, and I know that's what the Word says, but I'm a little nervous about that. And then I remember hearing an incredible testimony from a family saying, you know what, I was so worried about tithing, and I didn't trust God, but as soon as I opened my hand and let go, I saw what God could do, and I saw that he honored my obedience. And I remember seeing them and watching them open their hand, and that moment to me shifted everything, And then I've been tithing ever since. And so it's those moments of experience and testimony that really trigger the hearts of an exhorter. That is number five. Number six, I love working with other people, so I'd much rather work as a team instead of individually. Exhorters are people, people, right? They want to be with people. They want to work with people all the time. Exhorters are not cubicle people, They're not interested in systems and numbers and accounting and things like that. Typically, exhorters crave to be around other people um, or they'll be miserable. It's just the way that they're wired. And so um, I remember before I started working here, my parents, when I got out of college, so graciously offered me a job um, at their company. And they own a really small pool and spa company. And my job there was to input all the paperwork and then file the papers, and then label the file folders with a label maker. And if you can even tell from the past 20 minutes I've been talking, that drove me crazy, right? I, I am not that person, and I would sit at the computers and just wait for the phone to ring. I know the mail lady's name. I know the UPS guy's name. I know our chemical delivery guy. I would wait for the moment that I would hear the door open for a delivery, and I would run up and be like, hey, Felicity, 
How's your day? Is it sunny outside? How's it looking out there? Do you want to stay for a little bit? Do you have like five minutes? Do you want to water? Because I could not stand not being around people. That is so natural for the exhorter. So number six, I love working with people. So I'd much rather work as a team than individually. Which is so true, because if you think about it, if you are not like this, you're the people that would be in the middle of typing something on the label maker, and the UPS guy comes in, is like, how's it going? And you're like, I'm in the middle of something right now, right? Like, so you know if you're closer to zero on that one. Number seven, I view trials in life as opportunities to produce personal growth. I view trials in life as opportunities to produce personal growth. It's very rare for an exhorter to see obstacles rather than seeing opportunities, right? And so even when there are problems and even when things are going rough, they focus on the solution. So they are usually the ones that think that impossible should not even be a word in the English vocabulary because they are the go-getters, right? Like, it's okay. Um, You can do this. It might be a bad situation, but think of how much strength the Lord is building in you in this time. Or, you know what, this might not have turned out the way that it looks like it should have, but you know what, I bet God is going to turn this around and do something even better in your life. And so they automatically think of the plus side of all of the situations. And so they always want to be pushed to do more. That being said, Romans 8.28 is usually a verse that exhorters cling to, right? He works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He's always working things for good. That's the attitude of the exhorter. So number seven, I view trials in life as opportunities to produce personal growth. Number eight. I like to bounce my ideas and thoughts off of people before I act on them. I like to bounce my ideas and thoughts off of people before I act on them. Exhorters love to speak out loud. They love to hear themselves talk. (laughs) A lot of times, what I love about this point is they don't even need an opinion back, really. A lot of times, they just want to talk, and they don't even need you to say anything back. Um, For instance, I have a friend that actually goes to church here, and um, we are financial accountability partners. And so before we all ever make a big choice, I mean, like a big financial choice, we have to get each other's approval. And so I remember a couple weeks ago, I went up to her and I said, hey, girl, you know, I know that we talked about me paying a little extra towards those student loans, um, but this month, I just figure, like, I've been doing really good, right? And we all deserve a little treat sometimes, and so I feel like maybe this month, I'll just pull back on those, that extra student loan payment, maybe buy myself like Michael Kors back, okay? I know, I know that's so ridiculous. I shouldn't do that. Actually, now that I say that out loud, I think that's probably not wise because the purse is going to last me a long time, but I mean, so that debt if I don't pay it off. You know, am I right? You know, actually, I'm not even going to get the purse. Thank you so much for talking to me about this. I'm not, I'm not even going to get it. And she didn't say a word. She didn't say a word. All I needed to do was talk about it out loud. Um, and that is so true of the exhorter personality, right? They love to vent. They love to talk. And sometimes they don't even need you to say anything back. They just want to look at your face. Um, so that being said, <laughs> number eight, I like to bounce my ideas and thoughts off off of people before I act on them, not even needing their opinion sometimes. Number nine, I love to dream, and the idea of living a comfortable life terrifies me. 
I love to dream, and the idea of living a comfortable life terrifies me. Exhorters are big dreamers, right? They always think they can do more, accomplish more, see more, be more. There's always more, right? They always want to push themselves to the limits. They are not comfort zone people. They do not want to be stuck in a comfort zone. They always want to find opportunities to stretch and to grow and to become better and to learn lessons. Um, That being said, they always want to try new things, Exhorters are typically not your chicken fingers and french fries people, right? Um, that being said, you know, they'll go to the restaurant and they'll want to try new foods. They'll be like, oh, let's just try this. I don't even know what this is. It doesn't even make sense, but I just want to do it. Um, there have been many times that I've gone to Starbucks and been like, surprise me. And they're like, what? You know, like, because they just always want to do more, be more, see more. They don't like living life in the safe, comfortable zone. They always want to push themselves further. So if you hate the idea of simplicity and comfort and you are fearful that your life could be wasted if you live a normal, comfortable life, that's usually a trait of the exhorter. So number nine, I love to dream, and the idea of living a comfortable life terrifies me. Go ahead and score yourself on that one. And then finally, number ten, I want to clear up conflicts with others as quickly as possible. I hate the idea of someone being upset with me. I want to clear up conflicts with others as quickly as possible, and I hate the idea of someone being upset with me. Exhorters cannot stand strained relationships, right? Because they are naturally wired to be such people, people. Anytime that there's a conflict with another person, it destroys them, right? So they'll even sometimes take the blame for the situation just because they want to rebuild that bridge with somebody else. And so um, typically, in this situation, they will be the ones that will be very persistent in solving the problem. So, for instance, I um, was upset, or I thought someone was upset with me a couple weeks ago, and so I, I texted them because I was late. And I knew I was late, and so I was like, okay, they're going to be really disappointed. And so I texted them and said, hey, I'm late. I know I, know I ran late today, and I hope you're not mad about five minutes later go by and I'm like, Hey, uh, I feel, I think you're mad, you know, cause you haven't responded to my text message. And so I just wanted to say, I'm really sorry. And I'm at fault for it. So I hope you'll forgive me two minutes this time. And I'm like, Hey, um, do you forgive me? And then I call them and I'm like, look, I'm really sorry. Like I didn't mean to be late. It just took me a long time. My hair dryer wasn't working right. And then I got it to work. And then finally she ended up calling me back and she's like, Cody, I was in the shower girl. Like I'm not mad. <laughs> And so that doesn't mean I'm a crazy person. I didn't tell that story for judgment. I said, I told that story because some of you can relate to that wholeheartedly, right? You don't want anyone to be upset with you. You don't want anyone to be disappointed in you. Strained relationships break your heart. And so number 10, I want to clear up conflicts with others as quickly as possible. And I hate the idea of someone being upset with me. And so, as that being number 10, if you will tally up all your scores at the bottom, 50 is a perfect score on this. And so, if it's 30 or above, Exhorter is probably one of your top three today. Um, But as you are adding them up, I want to really lean into some of the blind spots of an Exhorter because since we are such happy-go-lucky people and joyful and positive, a lot of times we don't take a second to stop and kind of self-evaluate and see maybe the not-so joyful and happy parts about our gifting. And so number one blind spot of an exhorter 
His exhorters often interrupt others in eagerness to give opinions and advice. <laughs> and I see some people nudging their spouses right here. Um, so because that is, that is so true, <laughs> because they usually have a lot to say, right? Exhorters have a lot to say. They always want to help. They always want to jump in there. They always want to encourage. And sometimes it's an inappropriate time to do that. For instance, when you're having a really personal one-on-one conversation and you're like, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. You know what? I've been there too. Let me tell you, let me stop you really quick and tell you a short story about how I can relate to you right now. When someone's in the middle of opening up their heart or talking about a struggle they might have, and you're like, well, now that you mentioned steak, let me tell you about this story when my dad grilled steaks when I was seven. Not appropriate, right? Not the right time to do that. Um, so there are some issues with that. And again, um, even in like meetings sometimes, they're usually the ones that don't want to wait until it's their turn to talk. They're like, hey, uh, actually, now that you mentioned that, um, I have something to say. Um, they just can't keep their mouth shut sometimes. And even though that it can be such a great thing, again, sometimes it can, be, it can come off as rude or even frustrating to some people. <laughs> so many of you are smiling right now. <laughs> that is so funny. Okay. Number two, exhorters are typically outspoken and opinionated. So they love to talk and they love to give advice, but a lot of times that advice isn't asked for by, um, by someone else. And so a lot of times, you know, you'll be talking to someone who is naturally encouraging and you'll be like, you know what, things are just really tough with my mom right now. And, and I just, I just need someone to, you know, hug me. That's really it. I just want someone to listen to me for a moment and just show me some compassion and just hug me. And meanwhile, the exhorter is already planning out, this is what you can do about your mom. This is how you're going to fix it. I'm going to help you. We're going to do this. We're going to be encouraging to each other and we're going to get it figured out. When sometimes people don't want the solutions, right? They don't want all the answers. Sometimes they just want someone to listen. And so a blind spot of the exhorter is that sometimes they can be a little too outspoken in those situations. And number three, exhorters have a tendency to struggle with people-pleasing, have a tendency to struggle with people-pleasing. And this one is huge. Um, as I was praying about this message, this is the part that I just felt like the, that the Lord kept bringing me back to and bringing me back to. And I don't know if that's because I can relate to that personally, but I really just felt like God wanted me to lean into this point. And he kept bringing me to 1 Samuel 15. And I'm going to give you the shortened, summarized, theatrical Cody version of 1 Samuel 15. Are you ready? Okay, four people are ready. Are you ready? Okay, good. So in 1 Samuel 15, um, King Saul is appointed king. Um, and so Samuel is trying to, you know, help him out. And the Lord speaks to Samuel and he says, hey, Samuel, I want you to go over and tell Saul that I want him to go over here to all these bad guys. I want him to destroy them entirely, right? Again, this is the shortened, summarized version. And so he's like, okay, no problem. I'll go tell Saul. And he's like, no, no, no. But I want you to make it very clear that I want all of it destroyed. Like men, women, children, cats, dogs. I don't think cats and dogs were around back then. But again, it's the Cody version, right? So he's like, just wipe them all out. And so he goes and tells Saul, hey, Saul, you know, the Lord said that he wants you to go and and to destroy all these people. And so he's like, no problem. Let me just get my posse together. We're going to go over there and do what the Lord said because I love Jesus and I love God and I'm going to do my thing. Jesus hadn't come yet, but that's fine. And so um, he's like, you know, let's do it. 
So Saul's like, hey, posse, let's go. We're going to be obedient to the Lord. And they walk over and they see the bad guys and, and his friends and his posse is kind of like, hey, Saul, I, I don't know if you noticed. But there's some good looking cattle in that bunch. You know what I'm saying? Um, that is not an innuendo. I really mean they're talking literally about cattle. So sheep and, and you know, oxen and cattle, cow, you know, all that. And so he's, they're like, you know what? And that's a big deal to them back then. Okay. That would be like, if I said, Hey, John, I really want you to go, um, burn down this house and there's four grand in there, but don't touch it. Just light it on fire. Probably be a little tempted to take out that four grand first. So they're like, Hey, you know, we see, um, all this good looking cattle. Like, are you sure God wanted you to destroy that? And Saul thinks about it, and he's like, you know what? (laughs) Maybe we could just keep it. You know, maybe we can just keep some of it. You know, I'm sure, you know what? I'm sure it'll be fine, because we can even offer it as burnt sacrifices to God. (laughs) Then he's going to be really pleased, you know what I'm saying? So perfect, guys. So let's go destroy all of it, and let's just spare a couple of them, and we'll sacrifice it to God, because then he's going to be super impressed with us. So they go, and they do it, and, and Saul is feeling good right? Saul is confident. So he's like, I'm going to build a monument right now. I'm going to celebrate. Like I'm so good. And meanwhile, God wakes up Samuel in the middle of the night and says, Samuel, Saul has been disobedient to me. I want you to go and tell him that I regret ever making him king. So Samuel's like, okay. It's kind of like when your mom knows where you were and she's like, Hey, where were you today? And when she, she knows, and you're like, uh, I was, uh, I was at work. And she's like, really? Cause your boss called me. You know what I mean? Like it's that moment where Samuel is like, okay. So he walks up and Saul's like, oh, bless the Lord, Samuel. Did you see my monument? You know, we're doing good over here. Thanks for checking in, but I am good. I have it taken care of. And Samuel's like, really? Um, you sure you got it taken care of? You, you destroyed everything like God said. And Saul's like, yeah, I destroyed everything. And in the background you hear, eh. And Sam was like, what's that, Saul? Man, what, what's that noise then? So I was like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Samuel. I, I was at work, Mom, right? And he hears, meh. And he's like, and I'm not joking. This is in the Bible. That's how you know God has a sense of humor, right? It says the sheep were literally like cackling in the background. And he, and Saul goes, okay, Samuel, you know, wasn't a big deal. Like I spared a couple cattle. It wasn't a big deal. And I'm even going to burn them as offerings for the Lord. And Samuel goes, Saul, no, you missed it. You missed it. God isn't interested in your religious practices. He's not interested in your show. He wants your heart. He wants a heart that's obedient to him. And he told you to go and destroy everything and you didn't listen. And the verse in this just breaks my heart. It's 1 Samuel 15, 24. And it says, Saul gave in and confessed, I have sinned. I've trampled over God's word and your instructions. I cared more about pleasing the people and I let them tell me what to do. And isn't that so true, especially for us as exhorters, right? We can relate to that. It is so typical of the enemy to wanna use what God intended for good and use it for evil. And we see this all the time. Sex. The sex is meant to be a beautiful, intimate bond between a husband and a wife that makes them closer. And Satan twists that and makes it this sick trap of insecurity and guilt and addiction all in a moment. The power of the tongue, right? God intended the tongue to be used to encourage our brother and sisters and speak truth. 
and we can use it to slander and gossip and speak the Lord's name in vain. That's so typical of us living on earth and what the enemy wants to do. And as I was preparing for this message, I just felt the Lord speak to me and say, Cody, I have intended for these people who are gifted in this area to encourage other people to spread their joy, to help people live to their full potential. And so many of them are held captive. So many of them are slaves to other people and to other people's opinions. And they're living for the opinions of other people. And Cody, my people are exhausted of trying to live up to the standards of their husband or their wife or their kids or their boss. And they're tired. And the enemy has convinced them that the gift that I have given them to breathe life isn't even useful anymore. And as I was preparing for this message and praying about this today, I just wanted to take a moment, not just to list all the qualities about encouragement and what an exhorter looks like, but to actually activate that gift and encourage you. Maybe you aren't an exhorter today. Maybe you've been waiting week after week after week and you still don't feel like any of your gifts connect with what we've talked about. Maybe your scores on these sheets have been low and you're taking that personally. And I just wanted to lean in for a moment and let you know that God has created you on purpose for a purpose and that he loves you so much. And today, if you feel like the enemy has twisted your gifting and to something for evil, I want to let you know there's freedom from that today. There is freedom from that today. If you are an exhorter and today has made you so excited, but you're like, wow, you know what? I actually feel like a lot of my gift has been activated in the wrong way. I want to encourage you that you can receive freedom from that today. That starts today. Today.